Welcome to Loose Leaf, the podcast of a woman with multiple author personalities. My name is Charity Bradford, lover of all things sci-fi, but sometimes I'm River Ford, focused on sweet romance. No matter my mood, I write about ordinary people who find strength to overcome extraordinary situations. Welcome back. This is part two of Behind the Scenes for The Magic Wakes. Last time I was so excited about using a sound studio that I forgot to talk about one of the most important elements of the book, and that's my magic system. A lot of people have asked me how I came up with that, and that's what we're going to talk about today. As I've learned to write, one of the things that writers and authors always talk about is your world building, and the magic system is part of that for Talia's series. And as I sat and thought about what it would look like and what the cost would be, I decided to keep it as easy as possible. First of all, the choices I made were influenced by years of watching The Last Airbender with my kids. And so you may recognize that I have water, air, earth, and fire elements. And then I've also added the element of spirit. And the way I looked at this was each mage naturally pulls from one of those four or five elements. And in my system, they can learn to use all of them because magic has the same rules and properties as energy. So let's take a little refresher in the laws of energy. First of all, you may remember that energy cannot be created or destroyed. Energy can only be transferred or changed from one form to another. There are two kinds of processes, heat, which is potential energy, or work, which is kinetic energy. For example, turning on a light would seem to produce energy. However, it's simply electrical energy that's being converted from one form to the other. So let's look at it this way. If heat flows into a system or the surroundings to do work on it, the internal energy increases because the external energy moved in. So when we turn on that light, the energy, the heat energy moves into the light bulb and does the work and shows us light. On the other side, when heat flows out of the system, when we turn that light switch off, the internal energy decreases. So when we turn the light bulb off, the energy moves out of the bulb and all the filaments and things that are in there and returns to potential energy. However, that amount of energy hasn't changed. It's simply moved from one form to another and back again. This is how my magic works. A mage can pull from a heat source, changing it from potential to kinetic energy in order to do the work they wish to do. However, there is a price to pay. As the mage converts energy, they also expend some of their own internal energy in the process. This means they can't work magic indefinitely. They become tired, they become weak, and they need to rest in order to restore the balance of energy within themselves and their surroundings. So if you've read The Magic Wakes, you may remember that Jaren said Talia is a special case. She naturally pulls from earth, but then she also has fire capabilities. And when she does that, she is pulling from Syndex's sons, which kind of has an unlimited amount of energy. And one of the things that makes her different is the energy is given to her freely. So she's not actually taking it from the surrounding trees or wildlife or wherever she's pulling. 
it's given and it just moves through her and right back into the surrounding area. So she's not expending any of her own energy. You may also remember that Landry is what I called a conduit or a transfer, and he can use other people's talents. And when he does so, they experience the price and he doesn't. Um, I don't even remember why I came up with that, but that's, that's what we're doing with them. Okay, if you have any questions about my magic or Talia or Landry's magic and what I'm doing, feel free to ask them down in the comments. Now we're getting to what I was looking forward to the most. I am going to read part of chapter 15 to you, which is one of my favorite scenes in The Magic Wakes. Talia stood inside the air filter to the clean room, eyes closed. It was a habit to pretend the ionized air blowing over her body washed away her fears with the bacteria and dust. When she felt calm, she stepped into the workroom and headed to the back where the satellite waited for her. She hoped to launch this prototype by the end of the week. Today she would run the final diagnostics before presenting it to Cahill. It took only minutes to get lost in the work and find her happy place. The small satellite, spherical in shape and about five feet in diameter, connected to the computer through several wires. After checking all the systems, she shut it down and removed the wiring to run the check using the remote uplink. An electrically charged tension filled the air. The hairs on the nape of her neck and along her arm stood on end while a low buzzing hummed in her head. She turned to find Major Sutton staring at her. Her relief that nothing was wrong with the satellite was short-lived. Miss Zarin? He nodded in her direction, face unreadable. He looked good, even in the lab coat. Talia noticed he wore his uniform under the coat, but he hadn't put on the shoe covers. She pressed her lips together and stared at those shoes, as if she could see the dust he tracked in. It was a better choice than looking at his face. Major Sutton, how can I help you today? Her jaw clenched and her heart rate increased. What is it about this man that throws me off balance? I wanted to apologize to you in person. He cautiously walked toward the satellite. What's this? She tried not to grin. Surely he didn't think it would be that easy to win her over. This is an infrared satellite. It's a prototype I hope to launch for testing at the end of the week. Did you build it yourself? Admiration filled his voice as he examined the seamless welding along the casing and panels. He ran his fingers down the curve of the sphere. Heat flushed Talia's face at the reverence in the motion. She found she liked the obvious respect her work elicited from him. Yes. She hesitated and reached for her necklace, rubbing circles as she continued to question his motives. Tell me what it does. He turned from the satellite to stare at her. Here. It'll be easier to show you. She stepped behind the computer and typed in the command to run the startup operation. A low hum came from the sphere as the gravitational lifters raised it a foot off the floor. The metal band rotated around the center of the sphere as panels opened all over the surface. A mesh filament of thin steel and aluminum alloy unrolled along two of the sides. Her baby unfurled its wings. Once in orbit around one of the moons, the wings opened to collect solar energy for power. The other panels collect the data. She entered the next command and the sphere lit up. Talia pointed to a light panel. These lights give a reference point of view. It allows the onboard computer to accurately predict the location, distance, and temperature of heavenly bodies in relation to the satellite's location. 
How will this differ from the satellites already in orbit? He watched the satellite hover in the air. Current satellites use photoimagery and focus on Syndec or the moons, but this one has no optical cameras and will focus outside of our solar system. It senses and records heat and light readings. Here, I'll make a map of this room so you can see it in action. She typed the final command. Sutton ducked under one of the wings and came to stand by her in the computer screen. It showed a blurry outline of the lab in shades of blue and green with pockets of yellows and reds showing other computers in the room. Talia zoomed in on the area they stood in. The computer marked their position with human silhouettes in yellow, orange, and red with cooler greens on the edges. Is this real time? Sutton spoke softly. Yes, watch. Talia moved her arm in the air at the same time her outline did on the screen. As she lowered her hand, it brushed the Major's shoulder. A surge of electrical energy startled her. She let the hand slide down his arm to rest at his wrist. There was a pop as skin touched skin, the discharge of built-up static electrons. With that one touch, emotions and whispers of thought flowed between them. Talia felt sudden surprise, curiosity, mistrust, and attraction to her. The whispers organized themselves into clear thoughts, and she realized they were questions. What are the Signum up to? Does she work for them? Over and over. She wondered how it was possible to feel his emotions and hear his thoughts. Then she focused on his face. Intense blue eyes stared at her with the same look that must have been on her face. Surprise and determination. Can he hear my thoughts? Stop! She backed away, retreating as the voice and emotions drained away. Turning to the wall, she leaned her forehead against the cool concrete, willing herself to calm down. Who are the Signum? Is that the group that's been raiding our supplies? When she turned to face him, he was composed once more. If she expected him to look shocked at the question, she was disappointed. Miss Zarin, would you care to tell me how you came to be associated with them? I've never heard of the Signum until now. What just happened? You know something. I can see it in your eyes. I need to know what you heard from my mind. Why? Because you might have to kill me? He followed the joke with laughter, but it sounded strained. What interests me is you're more worried about what I heard from your mind than the fact we could hear each other. Why is that? He walked to her, stopping just inches away. Her face flushed and her insides melted at his nearness. Her body drifted toward his as if he had his own gravitational pull. Yet her mind recoiled from the thought of him invading her thoughts again. The cement wall cooled her back, but heat from his body warmed the air in front of her. What if I told you I caused it? She hoped her honesty would move him a step or two back. Instead, he placed his hands on the wall to either side of her head and leaned closer. Pinned to the wall, she turned her face away in an effort to put more space between them. Is that the secret you're so desperate to keep? His warm breath brushed her cheek, his voice low. His nearness, the sound of his voice, and the memory of his attraction for her sent a shiver down her neck. Even though she knew it was stupid, Talia turned to him. Their faces were so close she could see every fleck of deep blue in his electric eyes. All you heard was that I have secrets? She tried to relax. It appears you have secrets of your own. His eyes never left hers. For a moment, Talia hoped and feared he would back off, but mostly hoped. He did take half a step back, then grabbed both of her hands in one quick motion. 
Raw electricity surged between them, taking her breath away. It was almost as strong as the rise of the suns, but it contained a delicious visceral quality. In milliseconds, the energy flowed throughout Talia's body, renewing her from the draining effects of days without absorbing the sun's rise. She tried to wipe all thoughts from her mind, determined to keep her secret and the undeniable effect he had on her. A wave of emotions and thoughts bombarded her privacy. The feelings were jumbled and confusing this time, as if Sutton made a conscious effort to mislead her while trying to discern her thoughts. Two could play that game. If he wanted emotion, she would give him the strongest one she could dredge up. That should keep him busy. Talia forced herself to remember the day her brother Rowan died. The despair, fear, and loneliness washed over her. Fighting back tears, she pictured the video clip of the crash and focused on the whisperings coming from the Major's mind. She wanted to know what he was really looking for. Closing her eyes, she focused all her energy outward, up through their connected hands into his arms and then his skull. In her mind's eye, she ran through hallways full of doors searching for him. She would catch a glimpse, try a door, and find herself in another corridor. Talia moved faster, clearing doorways and drawing closer to his mental image. Finally, Sutton stopped and waited for her. A momentary fear washed over her, and she didn't know if it was hers or his. Did you really underestimate my intelligence? She hurled the thought at him. No, I've never underestimated your focus. His voice sounded clear and surprisingly calm. How many times have you had a conversation with someone inside their head? Sutton tried to dodge the question, but she heard the whispered, Never before, bouncing around in their shared space. Never before? Then why doesn't this scare you? He dropped her hands and stepped back. The connection slipped away and she panicked at the emptiness he left behind. It doesn't scare me because it doesn't scare you. At least not in the way it should. He stumbled past the rows of work tables and out the door. I like that scene because it's the first time that the two of them are completely aware of how the other feels and can no longer deny their own emotions. I also like it because it shows that flow of energy between the two of them. Anyway, I have moved my setup outside so you can probably hear birds in the background now, but I figured that would be better than my kids getting bowls of cereal and moving dishes around in the kitchen. This microphone is great. It picks up everything and it's going to make it a lot harder to play around and, and get better at this podcast thing. Of course, you know, everyone's going to be home. My husband is working from home. All three kids are working, doing their schoolwork from home and uh, because of the coronavirus. And we don't know how long this is going to be, so be patient with me. And if you hear a little background noise, just know that there is no quiet place in my house. I hope you enjoyed a little um, science lesson today with the laws of energy. And I hope you enjoyed the excerpt from The Magic Wakes. If you haven't read it, that is the free download for this month. I would love to hear your thoughts. Give it a read. Let me know what you liked, what you didn't. Um, I am desperately trying to get my head back into Talia's world. I am currently reading through book two in the series to find all the little hints that I left behind years ago so that I can 
finish book three. So all of your thoughts will help me to finish this series in a way that hopefully will be satisfying to you as well as to me. So until next time, get to work reading. Let me know what you think. And even if you don't have time to read, I would love to hear what you would like me to talk about in the next podcast. Ask me questions, give me a book you want me to read and talk about. I don't care. Whatever it is that you would like me to ramble on about, (laughs) go ahead and uh, post your questions down in the bottom. Till next time, have a great day.